Hello, everybody. This is Parrish Alford with the Daily Journal. I'm joined by our Ole Miss beat writer, Michael Katz, and Theo DeRosa, the sports editor, MSU beat writer for the Columbus Commercial Dispatch. And we will bring you another edition, the college football opening weekend edition of the Justify Your Existence podcast. We thank you for clicking in with us today. Guys, uh, how are y'all? Doing well. Thanks for having us, Parrish. All right. It's finally here. Well, I, I'm just excited that both of you guys don't look at me strange and, and y'all respond to y'all. You, you California kids, you're okay with, with y'all, which I find to be a very useful contraction. It means all of you. It's never singular. Yeah, I, say, I, I find myself texting it more than saying it. All right. Probably because I'm afraid to say it. I know people will call me out for not being a, a native. Yeah, that's. I'm, I'm afraid of saying it out loud. Well, is it spoken in California much? No, do you guys? Uh, I always yeah. do. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get started. Let's talk some college football. Uh, I find these teams to be interesting. It's been this being my second season to kind of rotate back and forth. I feel like I know more about state right now than Ole Miss just because more of State's practices were open. I actually saw two of their scrimmages and 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 learned uh, a good bit there. I think there are high expectations for both of these teams for different reasons. I think Ole Miss is going to be uh, the, the litmus test on whether the transfer portal rebuild is what you want to do. You know, if you want to if you want to pump 24 transfers uh, into your your program, if you want to put one at every position group. I think this is going to be the test on that, or a, a test on that. And Mississippi State, uh, I think there are high expectations more along the lines of eight starters returning on both sides of the ball and uh, players with more time in grade, so to speak, more time under Mike Leach, this being his third year, and and how programs, uh, his programs in the past have kind of uh, tended to uh, project upward in the third season and beyond. Uh, Theo, let's start with you, man. I was not uh, overwhelmed by the Mississippi State offense uh, in the scrimmages that I saw, and I think that was largely because they were going against what I believe will be a very good defense with a lot of players returning. I think this is a group that gained some confidence in itself again against Memphis. So what did you see from the offense in camp, and, and what do you think uh, happened to them Saturday night? I agree. I think it was a slow start in that first scrimmage. They really didn't look very good at all. And by the second one, I think they looked a little better, at least, you know, even with the defense, maybe started, you know, winning some of those late camp practices, at least the ones that were open to us. I think that's going to take some time to get used to, you know, getting back into that offense for a third year. And I think it's going to go a lot better than you saw in that first scrimmage, because we saw last year, especially down the stretch, this is a really hard offense to stop. Mike Leach has proven that over the years with the air raid. He doesn't necessarily have, you know, all the talent in the world, but it's pretty good. You have two good running backs. You have several good wide receivers. You have Will Rogers back for year three. I think the offense will look a lot better than it did early on in camp. I mean, it's only natural. You know, you have more practice, more reps, and especially when you start getting some game reps. I think you can expect about the same things from the offense as you did last year. I don't know if it's going to be considerably improved, but if they're just a little bit better and the defense is a little bit better, that makes for a whole lot of a better team. But it also depends on special teams, which were a struggle last year. 
Yeah, I think kind of a, a thing for state right away is um, Mike Leach loses the ability in these early season games to say we're inexperienced. This is not an inexperienced team. Okay. Eight starters back on both sides of the ball. You go back and look at this team a year ago. I think inexperience was a problem against Louisiana Tech, against LSU, against Memphis. Okay. There were times in those early season games where they looked like an inexperienced team. I think they played their way out of that, but they need to answer the bell uh, with a little more composure and maturity and, and just the ability to make some plays that they didn't make at the beginning of last year. Absolutely. Yeah. You saw that like against Memphis, Austin Williams, who's been there, you know, several years mentioned how they were on the 15 yard line against Memphis and they just didn't score. It's opportunities like that, that you saw in that game. You even saw them in the egg bowl, of course, but you saw them against Alabama. You saw them against LSU. I think they can't afford, and they know that, to miss those opportunities again. I think having that experience should be able to help with that. But, yeah, those were killer penalties, missed field goals, uh, drop passes, poor offensive execution in the red zone. You can't be doing that if you want to have the year that this team wants to have. So they're going to have to clean that up. Michael, who's your quarterback over there, man? Uh, who are the Rebels going to start a quarterback? I think I think I know the answer. But but the reason, uh, the asterisk that I give to this, to everybody who says, oh, it's Jackson Dart, and it's been Jackson Dart for weeks, and everybody knows it, is that uh, Lane does weird things sometimes, you know? And and so uh, what, what looks obvious maybe to some other people, and maybe Jackson Dart is not quite the obvious choice. I want to hear from you. But what looks obvious to other people is not always uh, what uh, what Lane Kiffin puts into motion. Yeah, I I, I I've been on I've I've been a long time. It's going to be Dart uh, guy. Um, but you know uh, we we haven't seen the last two scrimmages, and and Lane has not sounded super happy about things at times. And I think that is partly by design. Uh, I think that's tempering expectations and sort of playing things close to the vest and all those sorts of things. But um, I, I do think it is closer than people might've thought. I think there was sort of this expectation that when Jackson was brought in, it was sort of instantly going to be his and, you know, Luke was going to hit the portal and all that sort of stuff. But uh, you know, it's Luke's credit. He's, he's done all of the right things uh, and has made it really, really interesting. And so uh, I, I do think it's going to be Dart. And when, when we talked to uh, Lane on Monday and he you know, didn't have an announcement, uh, you know, I asked, do you see both guys playing on Saturday or are you going to stick with one? And he said, you know, I'd, I'd have to think we'll go with one or the other. But, and there's always that but, it's subject to change, basically. And you know, it could be, you know, depending on what the team needs, but just sort of looking through the history of Lane, even at like SC, um, he, he, I don't, he doesn't do a ton of like rotating during games. Uh, you know, if a guy gets pulled, he gets pulled. Uh, and, you know, uh, back in, I think it was 2013, you know, Max Wittick was USC starting quarterback and he was really bad. And they ended up going with Cody Kessler eventually. Um, but I don't, he doesn't do the sort of rotating of quarterbacks during games a ton. Uh, I think in 2016 at Alabama, 
someone, I don't even remember who it was, it might have been Blake Barnett or something, started against USC and, and he ended up getting pulled for, for Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts ended up being the starter after that. So, um, you know, if, if a guy gets, you know, pulled for being an effective that's not a huge surprise, but I don't know if there's going to be a ton of rotating. And of course this could be totally wrong uh, because like you said, it's always a wild card with, with what, you know, Lane Kiffin's going to do. But uh, I do think there is something to be said for, for leaving one guy in there to, to get him confident. And if it doesn't work, so be it. Um, but I do think they, they, I think getting continuity would be, would be in their best interests. In 2020, in Lane's first season at Ole Miss, when the competition was Matt Corral and John Rice Plumley, he played two quarterbacks, okay, for a couple of games. But uh, the snaps for Plumley were like uh, maybe three snaps or two. They, they weren't a lot. And even then, when you're bringing in that second guy, you're bringing in a vastly different style. Uh, John Rice had the year before had led the SEC in rushing yards per game. Everybody knew that was going to be his big thing, and that was what he was going to do. He was not effective with his snaps, and therefore he did not earn additional snaps. And later in the year, uh, when you talk about pulling a guy for performance, man, if, if you can't get pulled for throwing five interceptions, I, I think your game is is pretty is secure. Your spot is pretty secure, and, and that was the situation for Matt Corral uh, at Arkansas. Now, I think it might be a little different now because uh, I think Luke Altmaier has had a pretty strong and competitive camp. So if it turns out that uh, that Dart is struggling and specifically turning the ball over, as he did in the spring, but apparently not much lately, uh, then I think you see a, a, a change uh, in that way. Uh, has has Dart moved on from his turnovers, do you think? I, I mean, the, the last, the scrimmage that we saw, he, I think he was like 18 of 20 with no turnovers. He looked really, really good. And that's always sort of been, I guess that's been the caveat with him since he's been here. Uh, Cause everybody saw that spring game and everyone was like, Oh, what is this? Uh, you know, low completion percentage and turning the ball over. But uh, you know, I, I think he's going to have his, his moments. He still is, I think he just turned 19, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, but uh, I, I think those sort of chaotic turnover, you know, landslide issues of, of it kind of mounting, uh, I don't know if we're going to get that. Um, I, you know, he's, he's, he's a gunslinger. He's going to take chances. When you got an arm like that, uh, you, it's going to happen. But uh, from what we've seen, it's definitely gotten a lot better. Yeah, when you hear transfer uh, at any position, your mind just just immediately turns to uh, maturity and experience and age and someone who's been there. But that's not quite the case. He's been there a little bit. So we'll, we'll see uh, what, what happens with quarterbacks there at Ole Miss. Uh, Theo, man, uh, tell me about uh, left tackle and what were your takeaways from uh, Dollar Bill Johnson, there uh, I'm, I'm going to spare everyone the uh, the 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 struggle of me trying to uh, say his first name. I'm going to go with Dollar Bill. Usually, I'm a first name guy. I, I believe that if it's good enough for your mama, it's good enough for me. But uh, I, I'm appreciative uh, that I can go with Dollar Bill Johnson uh, in reference to State's new left tackle. Uh, I thought he had a good camp. What did you see? Yeah, Dollar Bill was money. Uh, he looked pretty good holding down that left side. He's not Charles Cross, but 
that's a hard bar to get to. And he doesn't have to be Charles Cross. He can just be a capable left tackle, protect that blind side for Will Rogers. And that's what Mississippi State needs. Now, you know, you lose him at that guard spot, but they have Nick Jones in there. Cole Smith is going to play at right guard. And then Cameron Jones on right tackle with Albert Reese, who's the big Canadian. Uh, he's going to be backing up both of those right side spots. But yeah, Johnson has, I think Leach said this is kind of the year that Johnson's put it all together. And having that ability to switch over to what is arguably a more important spot on the O-line, I think that's big for him. And I think that's big for the team. If he can play at least a little bit like Cross, that's what State needs. Yeah, and and I think uh, I think he showed that in camp. I mean, there were times in camp uh, when that experienced defense got a lot of pressure in the pocket, but I thought it was significant that that pressure uh, wasn't always coming. And I'm not, I don't recall a, a time where I thought, "Ooh, that looked ugly," uh, but that pressure wasn't coming from that left tackle spot, uh, at least not consistently. I, I, I thought he had a, a good camp. Um, Will Rogers completed 73.9% last year, led the nation. Charles Cross was a big part of that. I mean, it's it's not easy, but it's a lot easier when you trust that guy. And, uh, you know, speaking of Rogers, I, I thought, uh, number one, last year when he got outside of the po- pocket and, and tried to run or do anything like that, I thought his life was in danger. He just looks – he looked really uh, – really uncomfortable doing that. And uh, while I would not right now reclassify him as a dual threat, uh, I think he looks a little more comfortable, a little more mobile. And and the thing you're looking for here from him is is not uh, a, a big guy with his feet, but just a little bit of escapability, you know, step in the pocket, move this way, step a little bit toward the line of scrimmage. I think he looks a little more comfortable doing that, would you say? I would say so. And I think part of that probably comes from his getting bigger and stronger in the offseason. Leach has mentioned that, and he really does look bigger. I mean, has for both years now that he's uh, been there since 2020. I think just having that size probably helps, you know, build your confidence that you're not going to get leveled when you step out of the pocket by some unsuspecting linebacker. Uh, I think Rogers does have that comfortability. You saw him run like a read option a couple of times in the scrimmage. I don't know how much that's going to be part of the playbook in the actual season, but it'd be fun to see. And I think he does need to have that component because otherwise, you know, teams are going to know that this guy can't get out of the pocket and run. And if they have to prepare for that too, that adds a, kind of another dimension to the passing game and to the offense and overall. Yeah. I, I want to see a fullback. I want to see a fullback in this offense and a triple option and Will Rogers leading it going down the line, you know, do I run, do I pitch, I, I you know, kind of Oklahoma in the eighties. Uh, I, I don't yeah. think, uh, I don't think that's where we are in terms of mobility uh, for Will Rogers, but uh, I think that was uh, a part of his game that needed to improve. And I think it has uh, improved. Uh, let's go to the other side of the ball, Michael uh, defense. Um, what do you make of this Ole Miss group right now? Again, it's uh, it's an interesting group, that 11. I mean, I think there's uh, experience and depth along the defensive line. Uh, one of the most heralded recruits of the Lane Kiffin era, Taiwan Malone, maybe he's a part of that, maybe not. <laughs> you know, I think I find it interesting, even though he's a two-sport guy, that he hasn't really seemed to make a big football impact yet. I mean, 
baseball is not why he came uh, to Ole Miss to hit the uh, occasional long home run for Twitter. Um, what do you see uh, from this group, particularly the defensive line, uh, as the Rebels get started? I think if you look at the D-line, the secondary, they feel pretty good about that, just depth-wise and experience-wise. Uh, you've got just a lot of returning talent there and and you know in the spring and lane was had said that you know the d-line that was something they really tried to work on the depth of that and the offensive line and this was finally you know this felt like their deepest group and you know you just look at jj pegues and tavius robinson katie hill and isaiah iton and jamon gordon there's just a lot of guys that have, have done things and adding jared ivy and Cedric johnson there's a lot of really really good pieces and you know, I know Taiwan Malone is a guy that, you know, maybe hasn't done the things that we thought he might do based, based on recruiting and being a top 100 guy. But, um, you know, he still is a redshirt freshman. And I think, you know, at some point he's, he's probably going to have to, uh, you know, make a choice between the sports and you would think it'll be football. But, you know, that's, you know, cross that bridge when and if the time comes, he might end up doing both forever. But, um, you know, they don't need him, I don't think, to be a superstar right now because they've got a lot of guys in front of him and it might be good for him to kind of learn from, from those guys, the, you know, the little intricacies of, of, of the football side. Um, and then the secondary, I think they've got a really, really good group of safeties in particular with Aisheen Young and AJ Finley and Otis Reese and all those different nickelbacks and stuff. I think they feel really good there. Um, Davidson Abignosin, I think is going to be a superstar at corner. Um, you know, everybody's just been saying you don't see freshmen do the sorts of things that he does. Um, and I think he's he's going to be a really good player. And I think it's going to be sooner than later. The only thing people wonder about is the linebackers. That's like the one group where uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, Chance Campbell and Mark Robinson, I think they both made NFL teams, uh, which is pretty crazy, given that, you know, Mark Robinson was a running back pretty recently. And Chance Campbell was kind of, uh, you know, he was a transfer that people didn't, I don't think anybody thought he was going to make the sort of impact he did at Ole Miss that he ended up having. Um, so there's there's a lot of, I mean, there's questions. I think Troy Brown is going to be a stabilizing force. I, I think, obviously, you, you wonder how does Mac football transfer to the SEC, but I think he's going to be fine. He's an experienced player. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of rotation around him with Kari Coleman and, and Austin Keys and Ashanti Sistrunk, how it all kind of works. And, you know, are they going to do a 3 2 6 full time again? Uh, right now on the depth chart, there's 12 players listed. They're running a, a 4 2 6 at the moment, uh, according to the depth chart, which uh, I would not recommend on game day. I think they're going to get called for a penalty. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting, you know, how are you going to go with two linebackers? Do you trust them that much to, to have them? you know, do the things that Chance and, and, and Robinson and Lee Kia Henry did last year. It's going to be interesting to kind of see how that works. But depth-wise on the front end and the back end, I think they're feeling really good. I just think it's it's that middle group that is really the only question mark. Well, let's go back to Troy Brown. You brought him up there. Yeah, three times uh, all first team uh, Missouri Valley Conference or MAC, all first team in the MAC. And, and yes, I understand it might not translate, but I think – uh, after a, a month of camp, and and it doesn't sound like uh, he stood out to you as as an elite performer in the camp, as one of the top names in the camp. 
that's that's a little concerning. I know linebackers were kind of already uh, under the gun, so to speak, for Ole Miss uh, under the microscope. But is is the fact that we're not hearing more about Troy Brown from camp is that concerning for the group of linebackers uh, going into the Troy game? Because I think, look, if I'm John Sumrall and I've got a quarterback who was not necessarily uh, great last season, but he's got some experience and I got a pretty good running game. I'm going to try to expose those linebackers. I think Ole Miss can see a lot of uh, uh, running straight ahead, trying to run between the tackles, and you know maybe that's where that uh, that front group of linemen stand out. But uh, I I think I could see Summerall trying to make this about the linebackers. I think it would be concerning if they hadn't made such an effort to rotate, and and I think that's. Uh, even up front in the secondary, it's like anytime you look out there for, you know, the quote unquote first team, it, it might be a different group of guys because I think they feel really like good about rotating guys and having different guys in there. So, I, it, you know, I, I, I think it'd be more concerning if uh, if, you know, if, if it was Troy Brown, only Troy Brown getting the reps at that spot. But they've moved guys around and, you know, I've talked with some other beat writers about it, like maybe they know what they have in Troy Brown. They don't need to see him. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how much stock you put in that. I think you need to see guys. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, would you love him to be the standout superstar already? Yeah. Um, but you know, I do think part of it is they're, they're, they're rotating and, and trying a lot of different combinations. And I think that's something that Chris Partridge, uh, you know, really for the first time has the luxury of doing because last year you had guys playing every snap and, you know, when you get to games like Arkansas, when it's a 52 to 51 game, you can see guys run out of gas. And so I think there, I think there's an effort to sort of get a lot of guys comfortable in a lot of different spots. Theo, I know that uh, Mike Leach guards injury information like it was uh, the nuclear launch codes or, or something like that. Just doesn't really talk about it uh, much at all. But but you mentioned in your depth chart uh, analysis. Uh, earlier this week that uh, Jaden Crumity, who is uh, listed as a starter uh, at uh, at defensive tackle, has missed a good deal of camp uh, at the end, missed some practices. Uh, well, so has his backup, uh, Randy Charlton. You know, we saw him get uh, taken off the field with, uh, you know, an apparent neck injury early in camp. Now, they were being very careful with that, and it looks like good news on that front because uh, not long after that, he was back on the field in full dress and and was kind of, you know, doing the things you do on the sideline when you're being held out of contact. But um, that really good defense, uh, when you take away names like that, uh, starts to get some holes. Uh, what do you think uh, we see from the Bulldogs at uh, defensive tackle, defensive line, uh, Saturday night? Yeah, I don't think we're going to see Cremody. I think Charlton honestly could play by that point. But yeah, I think Crumity's going to be out for at least a few weeks. We're not really sure what the injury is or how serious it is, but he's barely been on the field during camp, and I can't expect him suddenly to make this miraculous recovery. Now, of course, Leach is never going to say that, but as far as the rest of the D-line, you have a really good nose tackle with Cameron Young. I've seen some NFL projections for him. Big guy. I mean, he's you know a force up there in the middle. And you have Nathan Pickering, who can actually play D-tackle and nose guard, so that's going to be big for their depth up there. And, of course, you have Jordan Davis back. Jordan Davis, the big explosive pass rusher that Mississippi State kind of didn't really have last year, struggled to get pressure from the D-line. 
think Tyrus Weed actually had the most sacks on the team. But having Davis back is going to be big. Having DeMonte Russell behind him is not bad either. Between the guys that they still have, even with Crumity out, even if he were to miss the entire season, I think they'll still be in pretty good shape on the D-line. But you would like to have an experienced and talented player like Crumity in the offseason. Yeah, uh, Charlton may play more than we think. Uh, Pickering, is there a, a new guy? Is there a new name, a freshman or a, a Juco uh, uh, along that defensive front that could jump in and surprise that we're not thinking about right now? Probably not. I'm not sure how familiar everyone is with uh, DeMonte Russell, I just mentioned, but he played a little bit last year, kind of a starting slash hybrid slash bench role. He's a pretty talented pass rusher, and you kind of saw him flash that a little bit last year, although he didn't play in as many games, didn't get the stats that you might be thinking of. But I think he had a pretty solid year, and I think he could be poised for more this year. Again, he'll be behind Davis, I think, in that DE role, but I think he could be that kind of guy. Beside that, they have a lot of talented freshmen, but I don't know of any that are really going to make a big impact this year. I mean, what do you expect from Jordan Davis? What kind of year for him? Because he played in 2020, and I go back and I look and I see – some nice games, and I see some games with with good tackle numbers, but I don't see a lot of tackles behind the line of scrimmage, and that's kind of his forte. That's that's his reputation. That that's what he does, and I think he's an important piece they're getting back. But what do you think state fans have with uh, with a healthy Jordan Davis? I think you do have to temper expectations because he hasn't played in almost two years. I mean, that does factor into things. But he does have the talent to make a big impact on that D-line. I think the most important thing you're going to see is just getting pressure on a quarterback. That is something State struggled with at times last year. Just having another force to rush the passer and get to the quarterback will be big. You're right, though, uh, as far as tackles for loss, not always seeing that with him. But, I mean, you have the linebacking core and you have the other guys on the D-line. And I think the hope is that those guys can – take care of that part while Davis just tries to get into the backfield and generate pressure. Yeah, State seemed like a defense last year that could get near the quarterback but not to the quarterback and, and, and get him down. So just one little uh, uh, change like that could make a big difference. Uh, Michael, and, and uh, uh, just a couple – just last question for you guys here. Uh, we're getting near the finish line. Ole Miss defense, talk about that secondary again. I see Miles Battle listed as uh, a starter at, uh, at corner. And uh, this really intrigues me as a guy who has changed positions. You see guys change positions lots of the time. You don't often see guys change positions and really make an impact. But he's had some big plays on defense. And my mind keeps going back to him as a four-star receiver, a freshman who, like, had a holding penalty and didn't do much uh, in uh, playing at Missouri, which seems like uh, 10 years ago now. But – you know, he never got off the ground, so to speak, at that position. But he's really seems to have made a nice transition uh, at corner through the years and has learned the position. And as a guy, I think that uh, that could really make some plays. Uh, what, what do you see there? Yeah, I, I think he's a guy that, um, one, uh, you can't teach that sort of length in athleticism. You don't get a ton of 6'4 corners. Um who, who can do the sorts of things that he can do. But I also think it helps that he's, you know, last year he had to move to receiver again for a bit because everything was so thin there. 
Um, I think it's nice that he is just a corner now and he can focus on being a corner. I do think there is something to be said for that. Uh, I, I think I think he and DeAndre Prince are going to have nice years between them and and, and Davison and Bunosin. Um, I, I think they they feel pretty good uh, about their corners, but. Yeah, no, I, I I do agree that um, that that Miles Battle's been a guy that has uh, he, he he does finally seem comfortable and you know that light has sort of switched on for him in terms of I'm a cornerback now and uh, I think he said it happened you know one of the moments for him was I think in 2020 he said against Auburn when he broke up a pass and you know again that seems like it was a long time ago too. Um, but, uh, I, I, I do think that he's, 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 feeling pretty good about where he is. And we talked to him a few weeks ago and, uh, he just seemed really confident. Theo, Mississippi state of Memphis. Give me a score, man. Uh, what, what's going to happen there? I'm thinking something like what you predicted pretty close. I would say like 30 to 14 Mississippi state. I think they could even score a lot more than that if they really wanted to, but I think there might be some struggles getting it going early on, you know, week one, that seems to happen, but two touchdown line, that's pretty fair. And I think state's the better team. So I think that's about right. Michael, uh, Ole Miss and Troy, this is not uh, your, your Neil Brown Trojans with uh, 10 wins a year there for like three years, uh, but they've got a nice little history and, and uh, they can jump up and get you sometimes. This is not the FCS team. That's next week. Uh, what, what do you see happening with Ole Miss and Troy? I do think it's going to be, interesting early you know but I I think ultimately talent kind of wins out in a game like this I think I think they're going to run the ball Ole Miss is going to run the ball a lot Uh, I I think they're they're going to get their yards and I think their defense is going to force some turnovers you know later you know in the second half Um, I you know I could I I think it's it's going to be you know maybe a little bit close for comfort early but I think ultimately ends up being like a 42 to 17 sort of game. Folks, there you have it. Michael Katz says the Ole Miss quarterback will be the one who is most proficient at handing off. Uh, That's it, folks, for this edition of Justify Your Existence, the podcast. We thank you for being with us. For Michael Katz and Theo DeRosa, I am Parrish Alford. We will check in with you guys next week.